We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey guys, before we get started, just want to say a quick happy Veterans Day to all of the men and women who have served and are currently serving, uh, both from, from me and Andrew, we, we thank you very much for your sacrifice and everything that you do. Happy Veterans Day. Also, another quick note, if you guys are looking to get involved with Bronx Pinstripes and you live outside the New York area, shoot an email to info at bronxpinstripes.com. This is something that we talked about earlier in the year. We're going to be doing Bronx Pinstripes chapters, basically just growing this community of Yankee fans and setting up events, whether it's around a a game in your city, if it's an opponent the Yankees travel to, setting up a, a game for that so a bunch of Yankee fans can get together. If you are looking to get involved as a captain within your city, or if you're outside the U.S. and you want to do it in another uh, city in another country, that's great too. Shoot us an email, info at bronxpinstripes.com. I know a lot of people have already emailed us this season. I have every one of your emails and starting to organize this this plan for the captains uh, throughout the different cities. So looking forward to it. Uh, Can't wait to get that rolling and enjoy the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. 
What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 284. Uh, half of us are not feeling at 100%. Scott, you going to game up? So you're feeling just fine. That one's uh, that one's on me. Yeah, I'm good. No, I'm I'm, I'm playing hurt. Not really though. I'm, I'm coming uh, coming off of a, a little bit of a cold. Uh, the whole family's gotten it, so I'm the last one in the in the pecking order to get it. I have been on full sot, snot sucking duty for my one year old uh, son, and and for me it's just been you know going tissue after tissue. So we're good now. We're getting there. Yeah, I heard about these snot suckers because oh, yeah. I'm at the age where uh, some of my friends are starting to have babies and, and they have baby registries and all that kind of crap. Right. And you see the snot, snot sucker. You can't even say it. It's hard it. to it's say. So disgusting. Yeah. Um, just the idea of it well, is vile. I, the, the but idea- I understand like when it's your own child, it's probably different. But to, uh, put yourself in my shoes, or you can remember before you had Kemp, like the idea of sucking snots out of somebody's <laughs> nose. It's just, it's too much. <laughs> it's a lot. To, it's a lot conceptually when you think about it. I will tell you that there's a, a nice long filter on it. So it's very difficult unless you're just like, if you could suck a golf that ball filter through it. better go yeah. all the way into the other room. If you could suck a, like a golf ball through a garden hose, then you're going to have some issues. But the, the, the filter will catch the majority of it. The, the, the thing that people don't think about is, is that it's like a medieval torture trick trying to hold a, an infant down to put this thing in their nose and suck snot out of their head. And they're just, you know, rejecting it and flailing it every second and hate every second of it. I mean, think about getting pinned down basically and mm-hmm. having a tube shoved up your nose and then someone sucking snot out of your face. It's not fun. So, so that's, that's kind of a, the, the other part that sucks. So we have as a society put men on the moon. Yeah. We have electric cars. Some, yes. Elon Musk is shooting friggin' electric cars into space. He wants to go to Mars. All this technology. Can't we come up with a better system? Yeah, I don't know. It's, um, they, they probably should. The problem is, is they got to let it flow. You can't give them really much to dry out because then it doesn't really pass for the kids, you know? So, like, we could, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bottle of Afrin and just, like, shoot it up my face for, for like, a solid week so that I can breathe. Um, can't do that with the kids. Got to let it flow. Got to let all that, that, that gross shit come out of your, come out of your body. And, uh, unfortunately they don't know how to blow your nose. Uh, I've tried to teach. It doesn't work. Not this young. So this episode of the podcast is brought to you by snot sucker. That's a good one. I mean, they need to, we need to, they need to brand these snot, snot suckers and just embrace the, uh, the pain of, of what it is. It's kind of like the, the, uh, what was the, uh, the squatty potty. We need like a snot sucker squatty Don't potty. Don't sleep on squatty potties. No, I'm not. I'm saying squatty potties are, are, are that's it was what they did with the uh, with the product and the branding for the purpose. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. The commercials yeah, see, brilliant. Squatty potties can be marketed to Everybody. the entire population that's true. where you're really just targeting parents for for the snot suckers. Still if, lots if, of parents. If, if snot suckers out there want to advertise with us by all means, we'll uh I guess I was gonna, I was gonna say maybe you can do the uh, the demo on that one. I will. Yeah, I will do. That. I will. Uh, Kemp, Kemp will raise his hand and volunteer for this one. Raise your hand, kid. Um. All right. Let's dive into uh, some Yankees news. I feel like right now it's just we're in the we're in a holding pattern with baseball. It's after the World Series and it's just a bunch of shit being thrown against the wall at this point. You hear about these these different free agent demands and these different teams who are who are going to be selling or buying or whatever this winter. I guess the Yankees did have some news. Sabathia re-signed one year, $8 million. That was done. It was uh, quick and painless, which is the way 
when you heard Brian Cashman talk, uh, he was kind of just like, yes, yeah, CC just wanted to get it done quickly. We, uh, we knew what each side wanted. We got it done. And, and CC's talked about how he doesn't want to play anywhere else. He wants 2019 to most likely be his final season. So it just made sense. Yeah, I mean, it made sense for for CC. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm still on the fence of if it makes sense for the New York Yankees. Uh, you know, I think both of us, I don't remember if you had either one of them. I don't think, did you have CC or Gardner in your plan? I had CC in my plan, but I, I wasn't tied to him. I said that if he wants too much money, uh, I would have brought Lynn in. And, and the only reason I wanted either CC or Lynn is just for depth. I mean, I have some numbers here talking about how the Yankees should use CC, but he, he should be thought of as a sixth starter, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I mean, so that's, that's kind of the reason why I personally, you know, obviously we love the guy. The, the, the guy is um, a, a big leader in the team, and he's, you know, effectively one of the uh, most important guys in the clubhouse if you're, if you're into the team chemistry thing and you, uh, and you believe that's a, a real deal. Plus, I mean, when he's out there pitching um, on the mound, his numbers are pretty good. You know, it's just a matter of you can't rely on him for more than five innings, and can you, can you even think about anything north of 150 innings? Probably not. So oh, I don't even think he sniffs that this year. He shouldn't. But you're walking into a season knowing those things. And to me, when you're walking into a season knowing those things, then that that is a, a you know, somewhat of a liability as a as a player, as a as a player on this team. And to me, the thinking was is you're going into this season now knowing that Gardner and CC are both kind of at, you know, towards the end of their careers, if not the end of their careers. And you can upgrade if you wanted to. You can upgrade. And they chose not to. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's if um, if CC put, puts up like Lance, if CC were Lance Lynn and he put the same numbers up, there's no way they're re-signing him. They re-signed him because he's CC Sabathia. The, he wants to finish here. And there was an agreement there that and, and same with Gardner. They're to me, they're paying these guys based on what they've done in their career, their Yankee career specifically. And that's why they're still on this team. And, and that's really one of the only reasons they're on this team. I don't think putting Gardner and CC in the same it's uh, close. I think category it's pretty close. is fair, though. No, because you said you could have upgraded. Yes, you could have found a better fourth outfielder than Brett Gardner. You could have found a better fifth or sixth starter than Sabathia. But I don't think bringing Sabathia backs, uh, back means you can't upgrade or won't upgrade the rest of the rotation. They're 100% going to upgrade s- starter spots two through five or three through five, however you want to call it. Where Gardner, I think, prevents them from doing things in the outfield because he's going to take up, he's a body. He's a body that has to get playing time in the outfield. Where Sabathia, yes, he will be taking up a roster spot. Yeah. But if he gets hurt or if he goes down or if he's just not good, it's not that big of a deal. Well, you could, you could say the same him. thing. You could say the same thing about Gardner in that sense. If he's if he goes down, he's not. It's a six million dollar. I think they're going to be counting on Gardner more than they're going to be counting on Sabathia. Well, if we're counting on our 36, 35, 36 year old left fielder, potentially fourth outfielder, more than our um, you know thirty seven year old, thirty eight year old fifth slash sixth starter, then then you know we got problems because they shouldn't be counting on either one of these guys. They're, but. <laughs> the, the, these are these are contracts that were dealt because of who they are and what they have done for this organization. And I, I would have a anybody who disputes that, like that's the reason they're here, because you slap another name on either one of these guys, they're not coming on this team. 
It's it's a legacy contract. That, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, and that pisses but, me off, honestly, a little bit. That pisses me off as a Yankee fan because I want to get better right now. Right now, look, I, I'm I'm all for nostalgia. I'm all for like treating our guys and and ta- and, and you know being the Yankee thing. I, I, I get that, but at a certain point, you have to move on from a player. Like what happened when they moved on from Bernie Williams? They just dropped Bernie Williams like a freaking lump of coal, like a bag of coal. Like it, you, there has to be a, a time when there's a transition. And it doesn't need to be this long, drawn-out process. It can just be one season they're here, and the next season they're not. It's okay. It's still a business. It doesn't have to be these these uh, you know these drawn-out process, in my opinion. Not, and I, I'm I'm saying this to to a to a degree that like I'm not totally upset with Brett Gardner coming back, but I think at some point in the season we're going to look at that and we're going to say, man, I really wish they had upgraded that position. Well, right. See, I, I'm more upset. Upset's not the way, the right word. I I am more okay with the Sabathia re-signing than the Gardner. Yeah, because it's, I, it's, there's still I 25 spots. Value. I see more value out of Sabathia than I do out of Brett Gardner. Okay, I mean, if you look at the the pitching market and you're looking at left-handers, and you see the trend in baseball where you're not really going 200 innings as much any longer. So, do the innings value as lo- as much as they used to? Probably not, right? Like that's. Uh, James Paxton is another guy that obviously there's there's a bunch of rumors on, but he's not a 200 inning guy. Uh, but he's gonna, you know, he's gonna 200 inning guys don't really they exist don't exist anymore. as much. So that's my so when you're looking at an older guy, they they can even fit into that category now because you're not going to be counting on them for as much. You're you're still so you're making building the bullpen. No, I know that's that's my I I, I agree with you, but at the same <laughs> your time, your point is you're making my point. <laughs> my point is that I'm making your point, but. With Sabathia, it's different because that's it's not his pitching effectiveness when he's on the mound. It's it's when he's going to be on the mound. That's that's my thing. Like I, I he's another year older, uh, you know, and uh, Father Time is just going to be more of a, a cliff. It's not going to be a gradual. It's going to be a cliff at some point. And I, I just don't think his body's going to hold up for the entire season. And I think we're going to be looking at this and scratching our heads like, why is he back? And they're gonna you know they're gonna eat that contract, but that's fine. He gave up how much money when he uh, when he threw it at Tampa. Five hundred thousand dollars. Five hundred k. Yeah. So they owe him. Uh, they owe him some money with interest, I guess. Yeah. Well, so this is why I would not use him in a five man rotation. I would use him as a six starter every six days because if you look at his numbers from two thousand eighteen, if he's pitching on four or five days rest, he threw twenty one games, one hundred eight innings to a four thirty two ERA. That's not good. On six days rest, eight starts, forty four and two thirds innings, two point oh one ERA. He is much better. When he has extra time off, you can, it's clear. And you also saw once September rolled around this year, he looked he looked toast. He, he, you could just tell his body was breaking down. I think all of the innings from last year's postseason it all added up. All those extra miles of him having to walk to the clubhouse to go do an R two C two podcast like that that was a new thing for him. I mean, his, I, his I lower back was probably hurting. You know about lumbar support sitting here doing a podcast every week. Yeah, my neck, man. I gotta tell you, the um, the, the the thing for him is is now you're talking about a six starter. Now we're now we're now we're being cute with the entire team, and we're we're going. But that's six what baseball is now. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's starter. It's starting. Well, what do you want? Like th- that's what they're doing. They clearly have made this their direction, where they don't need five guys to go seven innings every day no one has that and if you're no, saying it's not that, that but if you're throwing Yanks another road two guys in the rotation or, or 
hopefully three guys in the rotation you can count on for six plus every day. And then starters four, five, and six are going out there and giving you four or five quality innings, which I think Sabathia can do if he does not pitch every fifth day. Okay, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Five no. innings, one run. I certainly don't think that's going to happen because I don't think they're going to come out with a six-man rotation because then you're throwing off everybody. Then you're throwing. Then you're doing things that are different for every single other Fine. Uh, pitcher if, in that rotation. If Sabathia, so. what if you sort of line him up so everyone else is pitching regularly but with off days and you know injuries are going to happen? Rainouts happen so frequently yeah. in April and May. Again, like, think about last year. Like There was weeks where they played twice because everything was rained out. First of all, you can't predict weather, Andrew. And second of well, all... Well, you can if you have Susan Waldman's app. Yeah, and second of all, um, this is just going into a season being cute. Again, you're 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 making um, adjustments on your team for a 38 year old starting pitcher when you don't have to, and that's just the bottom line. You don't have to. That's no, that's where I have am. To, that's where I am. You don't have to do that. And and now they're gonna have going to have to do something. Do you think this is going to prevent them from? either signing one or two starting pitchers like Corbin or Hap or somebody else and or trading for a pitcher like Paxton or someone from the Cleveland rotation or somebody. You, do you think the Sabathia re-signing affects any of that? Because I don't. Well, I don't think it's going to affect what they do on the top end of the rotation, no. But I do think that they could uh, they, they could swing a deal or, or try to get somebody that's um, a, a more reliable, possibly more effective fourth, fifth starter. So, yeah, I do. I, I think that, exist, not, that guy does, is not. That really I think exist? that guy doesn't. Well, he may exist on a, as a as a as a trade candidate. But In theory, he, you know, he exists. Yeah, there's there's there are a couple of guys like that. I mean, I, I think I just think there's there's better options when you're looking at it. And I, I think what they did is they they secured the guy because they knew they could, and it's maybe a fallback if they don't find that guy. But again, he's still going to be on this team. He's still going to be throwing. And and I know that when he's pitching, especially earlier in the season, you know he can have success. There's no doubt. But you know what? We're we've we've seen success in the in the uh, in the regular season. Uh, but the Yankees really need to build this team for postseason success, and that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, well, uh, you worry about you. You got to get through the regular season in better shape than you. Did I'm last sorry, year. but if you're the Yankees and you look at the roster in front of you and you see what you have, you better build that team as that that, that can contend in the world during the uh, regular season, and also that theoretically on paper, as you're building this team, can play into the postseason. You're not going to think they will. I don't like having a liability. I don't like having a liability off the get go uh, for for the postseason, knowing in April that this player is probably not going to be effective for the postseason or available. See, I, I think he actually could be effective if you only use him for 120 innings. Again, but I, I just don't. You know, I, I think your plan is not sustainable. Like, like you said, injuries happen, rainouts happen, like all these things happen. Uh, you know what happens when his hip goes out because the rain? It's it's a it's a bad weather day. You know, every time it rains, I feel that that right hip. You know, I, I you just you just don't. There's so many unpredictable things with Sabathia because of his age and injuries. You you can't just say okay, he's going to go through a 120 and then he's going to be just fine in the postseason because no, he's going to be another eight months older and who knows how his body's holding up at right. that point. Who knows? Maybe and he's great, great. We could use him seen. for 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 maybe maybe one time through the through the batting order. No, awesome. it, no, you know let's, that. Let's he, plan he's for that. Facing, he's going to be facing Two the times. right-handed gauntlet of the middle of the Boston lineup to go out there for a third time. But uh, yeah. 
maybe he's nowhere to be seen in October, or maybe he is. Like, I don't think that right now you can think about that with Sabathia. You, you're you have to, to think about the, that. You're going to upgrade the rotation. It, hopefully, you upgrade the rotation, and Sabathia does not have to pitch in October. Hopefully, you can have Severino and Tanaka and two other starting pitchers you can use in October and not even worry about Sabathia. But Sabathia can help you get to that point in better shape than they got there last year where the bullpen was completely toast because they had to go six innings every damn night. Well, what are you expecting when you have CeCe out there? They're going to have to go six innings again every time he's out there because he's going to be pitching, especially into the middle of the season. You know, who, who knows if he's getting five innings at that point? I don't know. I, I just think this is not going to end well. And we're going to be looking at this and, and saying, well, he's really good clubhouse guy right now. And, you know, he's when we get Maybe. into a fight, I'm damn glad CeCe's there. And I love CeCe and I, and I always will. He has become one of my, one of my favorite Yankees. Um, I just when I'm looking at the players and when I'm looking at this plan, it, it does. I, it makes me scratch my head. It makes me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah, well, you're saying it's not smart. I'm saying it is smart. We do know ZipRecruiter smart. Why don't you tell people about that? Well, let me tell you another thing that is not smart. Making the lottery the centerpiece of your retirement plan. Or another thing that's not smart is letting your friends pick your karaoke song. But I, I can't tell you what is smart. Going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx to hire the right person. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply so you can get qualifi- qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Uh, this rating is from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can try ZipRecruiter for free at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com Bronx. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Bronx. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So we also had a little news nugget that Gary Sanchez had shoulder surgery to remove debris. It's all in quotations because it seemed like it was sort of a minor procedure. The Yankees were downplaying it. Cashman said that his shoulder had been bothering him since 2017, which I think made a lot of people say, huh? Really? Well, well, why? Why did you let it go on this long? Yeah, and there's a couple things from this one. You're, you're wondering, like, people see the, they, they freak out when they see surgery uh, next to a player's name, obviously. Uh, it does seem like it was more of a cleanup, more of a let, let's get rid of scar tissue, debris, just garbage from shoulders uh, and elbows. Because like, you know that stuff happens with athletes. There's just a, there's so much wear and tear that there's, you know, things that build up in, in, these, uh, in these joints. So hopefully it's just something very, very small like that. Uh, and I think physically he'll be fine. The problem I have with this, and this is this is like, you know, we we all saw the pictures on social media of him and Pudge Rodriguez hanging out, doing those, doing the, uh, I don't know what they were doing. They were talking. They were doing all sorts of things, right? Good things. They I were see doing that, those like, drills. Yes, I, like. you, I had that exclusive. Oh yeah, video that's right. Of, <laughs> exclusive Gary video of him, of, of Gary Sanchez taking batting practice with a sledgehammer and full uh, in full gear. <laughs> that video was hilarious. Just taking um, balls off the hip. The uh, but but you know seeing him and Pudge Rodriguez together obviously you know put something in your mind or like oh maybe they're talking about it maybe they maybe pudge can help him with some technique things uh uh, uh you know maybe whatever he can he was yeah, pudge pudge is one of the best defensive former, catchers you know in, in baseball history former yankee great for former half yankee great 2008 
Um, the thing with people saw when you look at Pedro Rodriguez, like uh, apparently preparation wasn't one of the biggest things because he was so naturally skilled. A lot of these things came natural to him. Uh, not so much with Gary Sanchez as far as the defensive abilities. This is a guy that I wanted that we've been talking about that needs offseason reps. Him and Andujar need to be, you know, in, in a similar area, just taking reps, 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 getting as much as they possibly can, develop that muscle memory, good muscle memory, and, and working on the mechanics. Uh, unfortunately, when you have your, your shoulder in a sling, that's going to prevent you from doing a lot of things. And that's, to me, physically, I'm not concerned about him. But, you know, not having an offseason of, uh, of as much preparation as you possibly could, that's concerning to me. Well, it is his left arm. So that's, it's that's still it's good. No, it's still. But it, I think there could be a point, you know, maybe January where he could start to do at least blocking drills. I don't think that's going to affect him. He's not well, going to, when you, maybe, when you, maybe he's not going when, to be taking swings, but I, I want him, I want him to sh- throw that glove between his legs and hit the ground. I want some, <laughs> some force with that left hand, with that left arm to going down with the, with the glove to, to hit some dirt. I want him finding that dirt and finding it fast. So yeah, there might be a little bit of, if he's doing it correctly and he's doing it the way that I want him to do it. And if he's doing it the amount of times that I want him to do it, he needs that left arm. So he, where I think that the Yankees were saying that it didn't affect him, like I think it might have affected him offensively. That's his left shoulder. That's his lead arm. And he was not the same player offensively. And I think because he had such a shit year offensively, that affected him defensively. I think he's one of these players that gets in his own head. And if mentally things aren't going right and he just struck out at the plate, he's going to have a bad inning defensively. The, the next sitting like that. Unfortunately, that's how he seems to be wired. So I think he goes like his offense and de- defense goes hand in hand. When he's clicking at the plate, he's more focused behind the plate. And I think that's why we saw him just completely lost this year is because he wasn't doing the thing everyone counted on him to do, which was hit. Right. No one was worried about Gary Sanchez offense coming to the year. And he hit 180 <laughs> like that had to affect him. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it certainly affects him. I think uh, he's definitely one of those guys that's an emotional player, too, and, and seems like he carries baggage with him on uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, and this one absolutely could have affected him, especially down the stretch, too. I mean, he was he was already hampered from uh, an injury during the season uh, and then coming back and, and having some kind of, a uh, you know, whether it's discomfort or whether it just feels like arthritis or, you know, some kind of a um, tendonitis in your shoulder. I mean, like, I, I know when you have a lot of, like scar tissue or particles like that, it can, it can feel like that. It just, it just uh, breaks down a little bit faster. So, you know, I absolutely could have affected him. And look, we all know that this was a lost season for him. And that's why I really wanted a nice clean off season uh, of him, you know, getting his body into, uh, into immaculate shape because, you know, apparently he can lose like 30 pounds within a week and a half. Um, and I wanted him to be working on the good things, the good things that he can, that he can really improve upon. And just when you're throwing this injury in there, it's just another thing that's going to sideline him for a little bit longer. So, I mean, to me, that's the concern. Like, I, I really do hope when we see him coming into uh, to camp next year, uh, when, when we're looking in around Valentine's Day, when pitchers and catchers around that time, like, are we going to see a fat-ass Gary Sanchez walking in the, the door? Or are we going to see a nice trimmed-out Sanchez who's been running and, like, doing all these things? I don't know. When you have an injury like that, I, I really hope the offseason conditioning doesn't take a take a toll. 
We've seen fat catchers be able to be cats behind the plate, though. Jose Molina. Yeah. That guy was not in shape. No. And nothing got by him. No, absolutely. There's, there are guys that, that can do it. And just Gary Sanchez is not one of them. <laughs> he just hasn't well, proved so that You he said can. he was hanging out with Pud Rodriguez. I, I, why can't the Yankees just call up Jose Molina? He was on a, a 2009 World Series team, uh, had the last home run in old Yankee Stadium. Like, bring him in. Have him coach Gary Sanchez up. No, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the traveling Molina brothers need to be like a catching clinic that Towards the towards the uh, United States and and the Dominican Republic or wherever you know they just need to go around and teach people how to catch uh, because it's uh, when you look at them and you look at how they are built it's absolutely amazing how good they were. So I wonder if there's like a lost Molina brother that nobody knows about that can that's he's like the secret behind it all he's the one who who is really the uh, the mastermind behind the Molina brothers, like uh, like Cooper Manning, Cooper the other Manning brother that. Cup, no, you his call name, him they, that's what they call him. It's, it's Cupper. It's not Cupper. It's not Cooper. I, I'm pretty sure Cooper they pronounce Manning, it Cupper. Cupper. Cooper Manning had like some debilitating injury in college, right? That's why he didn't play NFL. I have no idea, but I, I mean, that's what I would say too. If I didn't, if I didn't make it, and my two other brothers made it, <laughs> he was a wide receiver, I think. But I would definitely yes. blame it on an injury. And I'm pretty sure they pronounce his name Cupper. Of course they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. How are you feeling about these Bryce Harper first base rumors? Because it just seems like every time the Yankees are reportedly out on Machado or Harper, someone else throws shit against the wall. And it's like, oh, no, 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 the Yankees are in because Bryce Harper wants to play first base. And conveniently, the Yankees have an opening at first base. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, or do they? You know, I don't know. The, uh, if we're talking about Greg Bird, there's an opening. But Luke Voigt, I, you know, I thought he took care of that. Not to say that we're going to be a thousand percent going in on Luke Voigt, but I thought he proved a lot. I think the guy did a lot of a lot of things at the end of the season that were very good. Um, he proved enough to get the shot, like in spring training. Like he'll be the no starting doubt. first baseman in spring training. But if he has bad spring training, I I don't I see a scenario where Greg Bird could just take that job back from him. Yeah, well, that would mean Greg Bird would have to have balls and like you know grab something and no. take advantage. It means of something. Greg Bird would do what he always does, and that's mash in spring training. Look, the uh, the GM meetings are happening, right? Or they happen. So this is this is this is the time when rumors start escalating before the winter meetings. It's like the, uh, the little appetizer for the winter meetings, and you have guys like Boris who are going around and just shooting shit to everybody and just just like just vomiting on on GM, saying whatever they want to hear, uh, anything to drive a bidding war, to drive a bid up. Uh, he knows damn well what happened last year. He knows that the free agent markets of the past year have been weird to say the least the guys have been you know getting paid much later uh in the uh, in the free agent process than they have in years past and he wants to make damn sure that his client uh, especially uh bryce harper is paid and paid well and so if he has to play first base if he has to catch if he has to come in in middle relief duty he doesn't care and guess what bryce harper could do it according to scott boris bryce harper could do anything so that's the narratives that we're hearing and all this uh, chatter and shit thrown against the wall is that Bryce Harper is Captain America and he can come in and do everything because I want $400 million. So if I can bring in uh, another team like the New York Yankees who have you know some of the deepest pockets and, and I, all I got to do is float a rumor that he could play first base, why not? Let's go. <laughs> That's what I think is happening. That would, be, that would be so risky for a team to sign Harper to 10 years as your first baseman, something he's never done before. Can you imagine right. the circus of Andujar's throws across the diamond to Bryce Harper? No, oh, it would be, 
it would be painful to watch. Uh, not to say that I don't think Bryce Harper could do it because I've said this before many times. Like I don't think first base is that difficult a position for a guy that is athletic and, and uh, can play baseball and can handle a glove relatively well. Like I think a lot of guys can make that transition. And I understand there's a lot of nuances to the position, a lot of footwork differences and things like that. But I think it's a position that um, most of these guys who are athletic, especially Bryce Harper, who is absolutely uh, you know, an athletic baseball player, can can make that can make that move. So I, I do think that he could make that move and he would probably be pretty good. He was a catcher, um, you know, right. playing, so growing maybe they up sign and, him and catching. Maybe they sign him to yeah. play catcher so, and I mean, move he, Gary Sanchez to first base. There you go. There's the solution. There is the solution. That's it. Uh, Mark Teixeira was on Michael Kay's show when these rumors happened and Kay asked him, can anyone play first base? And Teixeira said, anyone can play first base, but not anyone can play first base well. So... You want a quality first baseman there. And we saw the difference when Teixeira came in. I mean, and Teixeira was probably the best defensive first baseman the Yankees had since Don Mattingly. And it made a difference in the infield. And Greg Bird, as the idea of Greg Bird or Luke Voigt, they were not as good as Mark Teixeira was defensively. And it showed. Oh, not close. I mean, Greg Bird, I think, even regressed a little bit last year, it seemed like. (laughs) Well, in every facet of the game. But... Um, defensively was noticeable too because you're you're thinking like oh he's an upgrade this you know he's a he's a guy who can uh, who can make the plays and he just he wasn't he wasn't doing the things that you you thought he would do he certainly wasn't coming up with the uh, the scoops like uh, like the share would um, but yeah so first base is especially when you have a, a left side of the infield with potentially now Torres and Andujar at some point you know while while Didi's out right you got to be scary. able to you got to be able to play the position well so. Um, there, there is something to be said about specifically right now that the Yankees do need a, a, a quality defensive first baseman over there. You know who I think they should bring in for first base? Uh, Shelly Duncan. Robbie Cano. Oh, boy. Reunited and it feels so good. Mariners are going to tear it down. I think the Yankees, in order to get James Paxton, are going to have to take some shit from the Mariners. And that shit might be Robinson Cano and his horrible contract. So they're going to give him the contract at the end of the day um, that, that he that he really wanted. The Yankees. Well, here's the thing: him. the Mariners. The uh, Jeff Passan tweeted that the Mariners are considering a full fledged teardown, yeah. and it's going to be years before they build a competitive team again. They have James Paxton. Paxton. He's 30 years old. He is in his second year of arbitration. He's going to cost a lot on the trade market, unless you take money off the Mariners' hands, that money being Robinson Cano. And while I do not want Robinson Cano and his steroid allegations through age 41 season or whatever, he actually solves some issues for you next year because he can... The Mariners shifted him around the diamond after he came back because they had D. Gordon playing second base, and they were like, Robbie Cano, you know, you just got busted for steroids. Like, you're going to do what we tell you now. They moved. They played him at first base. They played him at third base, second base. So he can move around, and he can actually fill a void for the Yankees while Didi is out. Glaber can go to short. Cano can go to second. And then when Didi's back, you move Didi back to short, Glaber to second, and Cano can play some first base. And he's a left-handed hitter who doesn't strike out. All right, so I don't know how long we're going to actually entertain this, but it, when you're looking at the player and you get rid of the name and you get rid of the contract and the money and all the other things that go along with the player, but if you're looking at the player itself on paper and, and how he hits and how he approaches the game, it's a, it's a match made in heaven. It's a beautiful fit for the lineup and what they need as far as uh, you know, effectively 
changing the the lineup, making it uh, you know a lot more balanced. It, it gives all of these things. And and yes, he can play uh, first or second base. That's great. Um, I just it's a lot. It's it's a it's a it's a disgusting contract uh, that the Yankees would have a very difficult time taking on uh, if they're gonna. Pay what if him, it meant you could even get- if it's taking on some of it. What if you meant? What if it means you don't have to give up major assets for James Paxton? Because otherwise, you're going to be trading yeah. your. Then, t- then one, uh, you're going to be trading probably two top ten prospects, including like Florial or Clint Frazier or or Justice Sheffield, to get James Paxton. Right. Yeah. Then I mean, I'm I'm fine with it if it's just money, and we're talking about just money, and and like you know, knowing at the end of it, we're just going to eat this contract or whatever. Um, it depends on how much how much they're going to take. I, it, look again, I, I've said this in the past. Like the money doesn't really uh, bother me as much. The only way it bothers me is if it if it changes the way that they conduct business. So if it if it prevents them from doing something that they, um, you know, they, they would normally have done without this contract, then then it becomes a problem. Like I don't care about the dollars actually. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Like pay as much as you possibly can. Just right, you don't you just get to a point where you can't affect. make a move. Yeah. yeah. So hundred percent. If that I'm, I'm with you. if that's if that's part of the game and they can take on some uh, part of this dollar part of this contract in the money sense that that would make sense for them and that you know that long term it doesn't affect them then yeah it's a great fit and and you like you know there would be all of the incentive in the world for him to come back and just do you know amazing Robinson Cano things. Yeah, uh, Yankee Stadium also plays to his yeah. power a lot more. I, I mean, he his it's, it's a great is- match. His contract is five more years, 120 million total. It's 24 million a year. It, it's it's a shit contract, and it's why the Yankees moved on from him back in 2013. Right. But how about this? So you have if he gets busted for steroids again, you don't have to pay him. <laughs> so, so so now we're banking. So that's like a, the opt out. Slip a little, slip a little something <laughs> into scrambled eggs after you get the value this year. Next year you hire you hire some shady like A Rod's cousin Yuri. Cousin Yuri. Cousin Yuri. Yeah, you just use Cousin Yuri's piss instead of Robinson Cano's piss, or you just mix them together. Who the hell really cares? And boom, you, you, you're out of the contract. That's the beauty about Cousin Yuri. You don't tell him what to do. You just say, Cousin, you give him a, a job, and Cousin Yuri does the job, okay? See, he doesn't, you, don't, is, you don't think about it. You don't, he just does the job. So I don't want to know, know I, how it happens. I don't want to know the details. Just, just make this happen. I hate the some of the Yankee fans I hate the most are the if the boss was still alive crowd. You know yes. them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if the boss was still alive, that's something he would do. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt. I love it. I mean, even Larry David's still alive, so maybe Larry David could just pose as the boss and do these things. Because I think Larry David, as as uh, as Steinbrenner, would do it as well. Um, but no, I mean, look, I, I don't think it's going to happen. But if we're just having fun with that, like, I, I think it is a is a good match. If they could make the numbers work for something like that, and, yeah. and not take on all of that contract, but take on a small or like a smaller amount of half? it, where would you take half? Which, which is which is. Hey, which is possible. Like, there are bad contract swaps that happen. Quite that this has happened before. Like the fact that they, uh, you know, yeah, you usually take on a bad contract. Are, usually, the Yankees are on the end of receiving the bad contract. I, I know that, but at the same time, like I've, re- I've referred to this deal before, and I, I always screw up the players. But it was with the Braves and the Padres a couple of years ago that had to or had to do oh, with yeah. Matt Kemp, Upton, Upton, and Kemp. It and was everybody. Kemp and the uh, and the Cuban player that got. Um, he, he's just been a piece of shit. Like, I think he was uh, like beating his wife and he got busted for steroids. Like, I don't remember what, exactly what it was, but there were, there were issues with the guy and they, they, they got Who, rid of the contract. Was it, wasn't Rosny Castillo. Was it? <sighs> I don't remember. I, I don't want to say the name if I'm wrong with the name, but whoever that guy was, the, um, 
but they're, 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 they 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 definitely did a swap of the contracts that were terrible contracts and you know uh mm. however your your club uh feels on taking on a bad contract you swap it with somebody else and you know maybe the money works but <clears throat> it can happen you know i'm just saying it can happen you know what jacoby ellsbury's from the pack northwest you know maybe so there's a swap switch, here switch it up maybe, yeah maybe so well, here here's why because we, we we have kind of glossed over james paxton but i want to talk about him because that's the only way i would do it is if james paxton's coming to the yankees he like i said he's 32nd year of arbitration so he's under team control um through 2020 in 2018 he threw 160 innings to a 376 era but his fip was better 332 11.7 strikeouts per nine, and he threw two complete games, which led the American League, actually. That's ridiculous. Um, and he only threw 160 innings on the season, but yeah, two complete pa- games that led the, led the uh, AL. Led the American League. It's crazy. Yeah. Paxton has been good for three seasons. 417 innings, 352 ERA, 2.90 FIP, which is really good. He did have some injuries in 16 and 17, which is why he, I think, only made like 20, like 20 to 25 starts in those seasons. Um, so he's not been as durable as some other guys, but he's been good and he's lefty. Um, you know, he could be, if the market, if, if Cashman's testing the market for Patrick Corbin and says, well, I'm not going to pay $140 million for Patrick Corbin. Let me see what James Paxton. Cause I feel like they could be comparable pitchers. Um, except one guy, or, throws or you get innings, one guy throws 160. Okay, that's a lot one of guy has, One guy has pitched in the American League his whole career, Paxton. One guy's pitched in the National League. It's different. You can pitch closer to 200 innings in the National League because you've got the number nine hitter yeah. who's a pitcher. Right. It helps. It adds up. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at a guy like he, he doesn't excite me as much as uh, other people see James Paxton. Are like, ooh, you know, he's a he's a very exciting player. He's 30 years old. He has an injury history. He pitches to a 3.5 ERA, like which is good. But you know, are you really going to overpay for a guy like that that could drop off uh, the planet with another injury? Um, you know, 2018, we're we're looking at him and celebrating a 3.6 ERA. With I understand you're talking about the uh, the FIP. And by the way, so everybody knows we're with some of the uh, shows that we're going to do in the off season. We're going to focus an entire show on saber metrics and what everything means as well, and just like talk about it and how in context it can it can fit with the Yankees. Because I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show and just in general who are not on the the nerd side of baseball. And sometimes when, when specifically Andrew talks about some of these acronyms, I don't even know what he's talking about. So I know that most, uh, some of the other people don't know what he's talking about, but we're going to break it all down so, and, and do some education um, uh, about these things. So, sorry, well, I, I, I digress. FIP is fielding independent pitching. So it kind of takes out all the variables and just isolates the pitcher and how good he was. Yeah, and, and these are, the numbers are, like, I, I, I love when, when I've learned about these metrics, like, when you isolate those numbers, it really can tell you a lot about a player, but I'm going to focus when I'm looking at these, um, the three, six, three, seven, six ERA and 160 innings. Like I see that and I'm looking like, man, I'm not overpaying for that guy. That's when I see just overpaying. You mean overpaying for prospect wise overpaying? Yeah. I mean, with a, with a trade, I mean, and, and overpaying whether it's prospects or taking on Robinson Cano's contract for five more years at $24 million a clip. Okay, so I mean, you would rather you'd rather just give up money for someone like Corbin, which yes. I'm not saying is wrong. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's the wrong answer. No, yeah, um, no, I would I would absolutely prefer that. Yeah. Okay. Paxton um, just has a lot of red flags for me. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. Um, He's Canadian. I think he, you know? I, I think he could be a good alternative if, for whatever reason, the Corbin thing doesn't work out, or if Hap signs somewhere else. Because, you know, we all want to bring back Jay Hap, but what if a team's willing to give him four years? I don't think the Yankees are going to do that. Right. So if Hap goes somewhere else, um, 
Mino Cashman's gonna have to do something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's the thing. Like you're looking at a Jay Happ, and then and you're looking at Jay, uh, uh, James Paxson. Like, are, is there really much of a difference between those two? Well, players? the difference is the age. The difference is Paxson's thirty, and in the second year of arbitration, and Happ is thirty-seven. Yeah, no, so there's an age difference. But when I'm looking at the numbers and the fact that James Paxton, well, while his uh, his birth certificate might say he's thirty, he's playing more like a thirty-five-year-old because of his injury history. Um, or maybe there's not or that much of a he's difference. He's coming into his own, and we're about to see breakout seasons for James Paxton. Because physically, we all come into our own after thirty. That's what happens. Uh, a lot of a lot of pitcher Jay Happ is an example of someone who really came into his own after thirty years old. Right, but there was not a history of injury. When there's a history of injury prior to thirty, usually things don't go as great. It's it's yeah. a matter of like you know shoring up that body at that point. Like yeah, your skills might get better. That you could, we've okay, seen that. You realize Patrick Corbin is twenty nine, so he's a year younger than Paxton. Yeah, and he's had his own injury issues in the past. He's had one really good year, and that's twenty eighteen. So bye, hi, baby. So he, Give it to me. <laughs> I, I think Paxton and Corbin are a lot closer than you're giving them credit for. Yeah, maybe. But again, like like we were just saying, it's money and and not going uh, after a guy for trade. And you know, if the trade is something that that makes sense, and you're not giving up players, um, you know, as 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 deep of players, if you're talking about like a more eating a, a contract for uh, for the money to take it off their books, and that's something that they find attractive, then you know, good. He's a he's a good pitcher when he's on the mound, uh, and and he could certainly help the Yankees. So. You know, I'm not knocking him as a player. It's, it's I'm just kind of knocking him as a player because <laughs> he's not because he's not there as much. That's it's these guys with the non when you're not dependable. Like, why do I really care how good you are if you're not dependable? That that's that's my problem. I need some dependability here. If you, if you're a great player but you're only out there, you know, uh, for 160 innings, and I don't know when those 160 innings are going to come. Like to me, that really diminishes. What you what you do in those 160 innings as a value perspective? Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking comparing them. So Corbin threw 200 innings on the nose this year, 189 innings last year, so close to 200 innings, and then 155 the year before that. He had injury issues in 14 and 15. He was coming back. He had Tommy John surgery, right? Um, didn't he have Tommy John? I don't. I think so. Yeah. So now um, he's got a robotic arm. <laughs> so he's stronger. Got it. Okay, it's, you're, you're not wrong, because look what Evaldi did after his second Tommy John surgery. Oh, oh I know. I don't, I don't even like, think his right arm is, is human anymore. Like I said, we're, we're, there's going to be the conspiracy. Dr. James Andrews is going to be the next Balco. We're going to start seeing like titanium uh, uh, or carbon strands of fiber in their arms, in their, in their ligaments. We're going to see reinforced carbon ligaments in 10 years. And when we're talking about uh, pitchers on the trade market, like Carrasco and Kluber are also out there for the Indians, but those guys are going to cost you a lot higher prospects than Paxton's going to cost. I don't know. Um, you're, you were talking when you're, when you're talking about prospects. You're talking about uh, like you're, you mentioned Floreal with with guys like this, uh, or or a Frazier. Like I don't know how much more they're going to be asking quantity. than that quantity. You, you could get you could get maybe you could get the Mariners to take Clint Frazier for James Paxton. You're not gonna. First of all, you're not gonna get that for the Indians because the Indians already traded Frazier away. So that's just gonna that's gonna be bad optics for them. So they're not gonna be in on the Clint Frazier sweepstakes. So they're gonna be asking for Florial plus. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, the Yankees have um, a good farm system and it's deep. Uh, but I think like when you're looking at the top of it, you're you're looking at uh, just a, a couple players. Like Florial is the number one guy that I think if we're talking about position players. That people are going to be looking at, and I think I said Mateo last last week, and obviously mm-hmm. I meant 
Florial. And Florial's he's still he's still young. He still has the long to go. Yeah, and so so. But a team also is going to be t- if they're taking him, they're taking more risk. I guess, but that's you know, guys, teams want the the opportunity to develop a player. Well, it depends if you're in the Mariners situation where they definitely pass and tweeted like they're years away from building a competitive team again, then maybe they don't want Clint Frazier who's going to be ready now. They want somebody who's going to be ready in 2021. Right. I mean, yeah, Clint Frazier could certainly help for another 10 years, but uh, uh, theoretically, yes, you want to build it a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to trust the process. Got to trust the process. The, the, The great Seattle Mariner process. Uh, that has not that has them in the don't they have the longest postseason drought out of any MLB team yeah they and yeah. and it's um it's it's absolutely deserved before we get to mailbags I want to tell you guys about sleep number we all know sleep is important but consider someone you know who's in the military or a veteran imagine how much a good night's sleep means to them and right now it's veterans day so happy veterans day to everybody out there who has served Uh, So many couples disagree on mattress firmness. Sleep number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so it's just just right for both of you. The new beds are so smart, they sense your every move and automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortably throughout the night. Um, As we said, they're having a Veterans Day sale right now, so go into any sleep number location, save $400 on a Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 smart bed. they are now only $1,299, plus there's exclusive savings reserved for military and veterans. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Go to sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find the location nearest you. Again, sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. Mailbags. If you guys want to submit mailbags, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can post in the Facebook group. You can DM us. You can send us actual physical mail. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) First one is from Justin at Justin Kettle, Justin underscore Kettle on Twitter. And I'm going to butcher this person's name. What's your take on Yusi Kukechi, the Japanese pitcher that's going to get posted for MLB teams? Kukuchi. 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 Um, he was posted. Yeah. He, so he, he's officially been posted. He's officially been posted. The, this is uh, just, I don't know. There's, it's hard to get a take on these guys, honestly, because you, first of all, whether it's unfair or fair, uh, immediately I see 27-year-old left-handed starting pitcher from Japan. I think Keigawa, exactly like every other Yankee fan just did as well. And when, when you have that, that thought in your head, you're like, oh, let's overpay for a guy that's never going to help us and just going to be a, um, you know, a guy that has a lot of hype and, and just never does anything on the major league level. Uh, so that's the first thing I thought of. Uh, second thing is you look in, you're looking at his numbers and you try to gauge, well, what do these numbers mean? Because you're trying to translate them from the Japanese leagues to the, uh, the, the leagues in the major leagues. And, you know, where, where does the, that bar live? You know, is it, is, is Japanese baseball effectively like triple a in the U S I've heard people compare that. Um, or are we talking about, is that not fair? And it's better than that. And we're, and we're looking at, um, uh, you know, a major league comparison on, on certain levels. I have a hard time finding where the comp is unless you're seeing a guy that's absolutely dominant and has dominant stuff like Sonny Gray. So if we're looking at stuff and, and I can see that that, that will translate because Ooh. the ball is moving well and like I'm looking at the, the, the stuff that's coming out of his hand rather than the numbers, 
that's more what I'm focused on because you saw that with Otani, you saw that with um, with uh, with Darvish, uh, you know, there there you saw that with Tanaka. I mean, you saw the stuff coming out of these guys' hands like being dominant. I don't know if I can say that about this kid. His numbers look good, uh, but that might mean he might be a four A player. I don't know. Sonny Gray would do really well in Japan. That that should be he could be. He could be, uh, you know, he could really resurrect his career out there, actually. <laughs> um, so I've read, I read some stuff about Kikuchi this, this week. It's much and better. A lot of, what? It's much better to say it like that. And uh, yeah, you, you can't say Kikuchi. No, it's Kikuchi. I guess you could. You could say it that way, too. It's not more anyway, it's not as fun. Um, a lot of scouts said that he, his ceiling is a two in a rotation, which isn't bad. But no, that's pretty damn good. Him, that's pretty damn but good. What, no, but when you're, but that's his ceiling. And when you're talking about other Japanese pitchers who have come over, like um, Tanaka or Otani or Darvish or all these guys, the scouts talked about him like they could be the best pitcher on any team. Right. So it's a difference when you're saying he could be a number one for any team, or if he reaches his full potential, he could be a number two which is such an arbitrary number like it's okay. such an arbitrary number yeah but you're right you get the Kayagawa flashbacks um and Kayagawa never got really out of triple a he came up to the major leagues and almost got people killed he was giving up line drives so fast yeah yeah he, he spun the ball just the, the spin rate was not so good on how so when it just looked like spinners floating over the plate when you're talking about Kikuchi uh I don't know if the Yankees are going to want to post up the money because you're going to have to post for them. And, and the, the new posting system, 20% of the first $25 million goes to the team, and then it's a smaller percentage after that. So you, I guess you're only talking about money. Yeah. But the Yankees have been money conscious. They've been trying to stick to some budget. So I don't know if, if Kikuchi's the guy. The only thing I can think of is you bring Kikuchi in, and then Tanaka just turns back into the best pitcher in baseball. That see that could happen. A little competition uh, brewing underneath Tanaka, even though he was very good uh, at the end of the year. And and uh, the 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 money, the posting money, I have to probably doesn't go affect the uh, the tax. Actually, yeah, I right? don't think it does. Yeah. I don't think it. I'm talking out of my ass here. I don't think it affects the the tax. No, I don't. I mean, it would to me just looking at it at face value. I haven't looked it up. But, but it, you have to it, talk it about it when it you're when you're talking about any Japanese pitcher. It's a factor. So no, I know that. But it, but again, it's just Steinbrenner is going to think about it. It's just money at that point. It's not affecting the. It's not affecting if if this, if this is true. Uh, it's not affecting the number that will lead to more penalties in, in money. So to me, that's just that's uh, that's okay for what the Yankees are like. For, for if we're looking at their thesis and what they're why they're what they're trying to spend their money on and how they're trying to prevent. Um, you know, empty losses, like the tax threshold is where the empty losses come from. It's the penalties. And if it's not affecting the penalty, then then you can assign that number to a player and, and you know, potentially have a return on it or at least circle of value. But he is a guy that, you know, if, if the scouts, if the Yankee scouts like him and they think that he could be an effective pitcher and it's just money to get him, why not go after him? You know, time will tell. But again, if the Yankee scouts, uh, like him and think that he could be an effective pitcher. Um, I have no problem with them going after a guy like this. Like, I, I think you can definitely find gems, uh, you know, in those, uh, in those countries in Korea and Japan and uh, Taiwan, you could find a lot of guys that can, you don't have to be that number one guy for him to come over and pitch effectively and help your team. Google told me that it does not affect the luxury tax. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense that it really does. So to me, that's a, that's a dollar amount that you can, that you can assign to the player and it doesn't really bring on, you know, the negative effect of a penalty or, or contributing to the cap, which would incur a penalty. Next question is from Nick Dorsey. 
Can you convince me the offseason won't be a failure if Cashman doesn't trade for our sale or Verlander? And what he means by that is an ace. And he says, Bumgarner, Kluber, Paxton, DeGrom, etc. Yeah, no, it's uh, two things. One, I have um, I, a little bit of last season, I think, is, is on me, in all honesty, because... Oh, now um, you're owning up to that? Finally. Yeah, 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 a little bit, a little bit. And, and you know, maybe this did affect Sonny Gray. I, I don't know, but I did... Well, he's an avid listener of the podcast. I, I did. He doesn't like getting feed, negative feedback from anybody, so I doubt he listens to, to us especially. But um, I, I shaved my beard last year, and uh, not the, a lot of people that listen to the show from the beginning, they're like, oh, he's had a beard. The beard was new for me. I never really had a beard. I didn't know I could uh, grow a beard, and then I did. I'm like, oh, I can grow a beard, so I'm going to keep it around for a little while. And then I got rid of it because it was, I was sick of it and just needed a change. But now it's back. And the last time it was back, last time I had a beard, the, the Yankees surprisingly made it, you know, within a couple, uh, a couple of outs, a couple of innings from the World Series. And they overachieved. So number one priority for this offseason for me was to grow the beard back. And I got to tell you, it's coming in thick and lush and beautiful and even less gray for some reason. I don't know how that happened, but it's, uh, it's, it's, go- it's going well. So Number one, check that box for me for Yankees offseason. We're going to go into the season with a nice, full, lush beard. Um, and, and I think that's going to bring nothing but good luck. Second thing on the field, I don't think they need to go after uh, and get one of the guys that you mentioned in order for this to be an effective offseason. I think they can add to the pitching with... Uh, I think not getting Corbin would be a really bad thing for me. Um, or if they well, didn't get no, Corbin, I, then they would have to get somebody else like yeah, like one of these guys. It's not getting... It's not If they don't get a... A pitcher that people are excited about, like Corbin or maybe Paxton or Kluber or somebody that people can get excited about, plus a more steady guy like Hap. I think the offseason, yes. pitching-wise, is a failure. Right. No, and I agree with that. It doesn't necessarily need to be like trade for an ace. I think definitely uh, like Corbin would fit that bill. Um, and then, like you said, like kind of going in and, and, and filling some of that depth with guys who you can, uh, you know, who, who, who produce on the field at, uh, that can solidify this rotation. And Jay Happ, a full season of Jay Happ, to me, is, is definitely um, a guy that can do that. Like, I think they should he's definitely guy, bring him back. He's a guy you could rely on to give you six innings yeah. pretty much every time. Yeah. And maybe, you know, it sucks because he went out there and he laid an egg in the postseason, and that was his only postseason start. Um, but he was very good for the Yankees. It, from the moment they got him in the, in the trade to the end of the season, he was the best starting pitcher that was acquired on the trade market. And then it just so happened that Evaldi turned into Super Evaldi in the in the postseason and egg on Cashman's face. But like how, who would have predicted that? Right. Uh, no, it's it's true. He he came back and it was a, was a dominant thing. So if you want to go after another ace, maybe Evaldi, put him on that list. You know, maybe we could bring him back. And, God, that uh, would be such a disaster. If the Yankees re-sign Evaldi, it would be a gigantic mistake. I got to tell you, a little part of me would make me very happy. And just to hear you bitch and complain and cry about Evaldi uh, after oh, he does God. well would, would, no, would, it, would it, make my heart smile. Because he, one out of every six starts, he would go out there and dominate. And then the other five starts, it would be five innings, 117 pitches. Again, you're thinking, of, you're thinking of pre-robotic arm Evaldi. And you need to get this through your head that the guy's got a robotic uh, fake. He was trash for the Red Sox fiber in the regular arm. season. All right, I'm not being serious. So moving on, <laughs> the uh, I still think they can have an effective offseason. There's no doubt about it. But uh, but like the, the the Cleveland Indians thing really 
really intrigues me. I, I feel like Cashman is circling that like a pack of wolves. He's just like salivating, waiting for his moment to strike, and is going to make a deal for um, either Kluber or Carrasco. Like I, I, I just, for some reason, my, my gut is burning that that's going to happen. <clears throat> All right, well, that goes into the next question. Gavin Mulcahy, who are the Yankees' top trade pieces? If they're, trade, if they're targeting Kluber and or Paxton, it's going to be a high price, and a lot of the system has been unloaded in other trades. I actually disagree with that. If they don't want to give up key pieces, would they consider taking on an expensive player from either of those teams in addition to an ace like Cano, for example? We already talked about that. But I want to talk about the Yankees' system and where it stands because I think – Yankees fans and us, especially this podcast, a lot of people online focus so much on the prospects from 2016 to 2017. Like the top 10 was easily rattled off. And now it's a little different. Those players are in the major leagues, a lot of them. So maybe people think the system is thin. It's not a top, maybe it's not a top five system anymore, but I think it's still generally regarded as a top. 10 system, close to top 10. I think some people will put it in top five still, actually. Okay, right. so the Yankees pipeline, I looked it up uh, right now. Sheffield, Floreal, Loisica is number three. Abreu, Acevedo, Siegler, who they just drafted. He's the catcher. Schmidt, who was their first-round pick from last year. And he's coming back throwing very hard, and apparently it looks really good. Mm-hmm. Trevor St- uh, Steven, he's 22 years old, right-handed pitcher. Medina and Matt Sauer, he's a 19-year-old uh, right-handed pitcher. Eight of the top drafted. 10 are pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of pitching. And then we're not even really getting into uh, the, all the uh, international pool money that they spent on, on guys that are further down the line that have a, a ton of potential that um, that they love. So the Yankee system is in good shape. And I mean, Gavin's not wrong in the sense that they have unloaded a ton of their system because they have. They, they did unload a lot of players, a lot of very good players. I mean, just look at what happened with the Sonny Gray trade. I mean, it was a complete disaster. Sonny Gray, but did Sonny Gray and then, I guess, Blake Rutherford for the, the White Sox trade. Right, yeah. And, but you're, you're seeing so you, some of these guys that, that everybody knows about, like you said, uh, that, have, that have gone away. And they've traded good players for the system. That's happened. The beautiful thing about the Yankee system now and the, the way that they've shifted towards signing international uh, players and their scouting department just, you know, has, has just been so much better in the past four, four or five years that they're deep. And uh, you know, they're, they're hitting a lot more on, uh, on the international guys and, and they're just building the, the system better from, from lower levels. So there's a lot more confidence in this system. And, and you and know, maybe think- this needs to be a show that we do soon too, is just go through the entire uh, system of, of, you know, top 25 guys and, and take a targeted look on, on each, each one of these guys so that we can all understand who these guys are again. Yeah, no. And like, because I think it's, it's because the major league team was not as exciting in 2016 and 20, basically 2016, the second half of 2016, once they tore it down and acquired all these, these young players, it's all people turn their minds to right. Okay. What's happening with the, with the prospects. So that's why we all focus on it now. And it was the new prospects too. And it was the the new new prospects. Yeah. The new guys that came over the flashy new, uh, the flashy new object, Frazier Frazier and Sheffield and, and Glaber and, and everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. We, we, we do need to dive into it more, but I think there's plenty of depth where they could get anybody that's on the trade market. I think they could, if they're willing to part with them, they have the pieces. When you have a guy like Floreal at the top right there as a position, uh, Floreal and Sheffield at the top, um, Sheffield is definitely one of the, one of the better, better uh, more regarded arms in, in baseball. And then Floreal, as far as 
overall prospects and uh, as a position player, as a center fielder, like he's extremely valuable. I think that's a that's a guy that everybody sees as a potential um, you know centerpiece uh, for for a, a young team. Like that, you build up the middle. A lot of GMs build up the middle, and you know catching, pitching, uh, you know middle infielders, and then center field. And when you have a guy like Florial uh, who looks just like a specimen of an athlete. Um, you know, he's obviously a very highly valuable asset. So that goes into rate right, the next question from at West Coast Yanks. Uh, what would you give up for Madison Bumgarner? So Bumgarner's 29 years old. He's got one more year under contract at 12 million. Very reasonable. Um, I, mean, I think Bumgarner would probably be at the top of every Yankees fan list as the quote unquote ace to bring in. So what of those prospects are you giving up? It's going to take decent amount. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and raise your hand if you knew that Madison Bumgarner was under thirty. I guarantee <laughs> nobody's raising their hand, or at least there's a very small amount of people who uh, who who realize that he was under thirty. He definitely does not look twenty nine years old, uh, or feel it because he's been around forever. Right? He's been they, and they've been in the spotlight, I guess, on the, on an even number year for so many years when they were in the World Series. But right, his first his like the first time we saw him really was 2010 and he was 20 when yeah. the Giants won their first championship and then on the next two teams for the championship Giants he was the best pitcher on the planet right. so that's why he's been around a long time he turned 29 in August so you know he, he's a fresh 30. 29 he'll turn 30 right he's got that good cutoff for baseball yeah <laughs> um it's uh he'll uh, turn 30 at the, in the middle of next year right uh, so, you know, if, if Madison Bumgarner were a, a guy that they're looking at and they're going to trade, obviously it's going to take a, it's going to take the boat. You're going to have to give up a ton for a guy like him. And he's got one more year under contract. Um, you know, if, if the Yankees identified him it, and they're probably going to want a, uh, a pitching return, would I give up a, a Sheffield? Uh, would I give up Sheffield and Florial for him? I don't know. Florial is the guy that, that makes is, is a difficult uh, guy to part with. Uh, Sheffield, I would definitely give up for him. And then packaging some of these other guys, you know, who, name your guy, probably. Uh, Florio would be the only reservation I would have for him. So but at the end of the day, up, I, I still might do it. Would you give up Sheffield, Clint Frazier, plus two more uh, of those pitchers? Yes. Four players total. Yes. Yeah, I think I would too. And I don't know if the Giants would do that. I think they would. They just got a new GM. Um, that GM really has no uh, allegiances towards Madison Bumgarner. I think the smart thing for him to do is to trade Bumgarner and restock the farm system. And you could do that with one trade. You could, I, I don't know what the Giants farm system is, but I don't think it's very good because they had to bring in broken down um, uh, Longoria last year. They, they brought in Andrew McCutcheon. Like they tried to pull a bunch of pieces from different teams and win now. It didn't happen. They need to reboot. And and I think they got a. The only way they're going to do that is trading Baumgartner. They got some like, bad pitching contracts. They have some bad pitching contracts on that team too, with Cueto and Samarja, and they, there's just some bad contracts on that team. That, that okay, so so maybe you're talking about get get some teams to take some of that from you too. Yeah, I mean they they have to do something. Is my point? Like they're they're gonna they're not going to be able to where they stand. They're probably not going to be there signing uh, Baumgartner unless they make some some significant changes. Uh, and, right. and if they, they don't feel confident in, in signing him, then, then yeah, you know, we're looking at a, a scenario where he's going to be a, uh, you know, the, the top guy to be traded. If he were to be, if they were to say, Hey, doors open, we're open for business, Madison Bumgarner, 
give us your offers. They're going to get flooded with significant offers. And that's why I feel like it would be a competition. And then you would probably be looking at Floreal and Sheffield plus. Yeah. And, and if Bumgarner's open on the open market, you're going to get the Astros involved too, because the Astros are looking for more pitching since they're having Keuchel and um, um, Morton walk yep. and Verlander's in his last year. So they're looking to upgrade McCullers well. and McCullers just went down with surgery yeah, with an injury. Surgery, so he's going to so. be done for next year. They have Cole and Verlander really to count on next year. And then Verlander, who knows what he might retire. He might walk. So they'd be looking at it too. Yeah. Um, and, and they have some, uh, I mean, they have some, some pitching depth, I think in the, in the minor leagues as well. I mean, there was that rumor uh, that Rosenthal was talking about that apparently is not no longer really a rumor, but there was a deal in place for Bryce Harper at the trade deadline or around yeah, the trade deadline to going to Houston. And it was agreed upon um, and just needed to get really signed off on by nationals DC ownership. And they did not sign off on it, but it was sending terrible owners. It was sending Harper to the Astros for, I think three or four players and significant pitching prospects. So um, they have the pitching prospects, uh, you know, that, that could make a deal like that. So uh, they're, they're probably going to be looking to their farm system at, at some point in the near future. But, but yeah, you know, you when you have guys like that, that can make a deal uh, for a Bryce Harper, then you could probably, uh, translate that into potentially making a deal for a guy like Bumgarner as well. All right. The next question is from Dominic Raymond thoughts on James Shields. Nope. I don't have many thoughts on James Shields. I don't want another old uh, pitcher that, you know, for whatever reason you're looking at him and, and uh, you know, he could throw innings, right? He could throw some nice garbage innings. 204 last year. Yeah. So you can fill up up duty, a lot of mop up duty, fill up the innings. And you know, there's a, there's an area here where you could get in trouble, right? Like, so I'm, I'm bitching about Paxton's innings at 160 innings, but then you got a guy like James Shields here who goes 204 innings on a season. Which do you want? <laughs> like, obviously you want the guy that's a better pitcher uh, to, to come out there and, and play. So, you know, if you're getting 204 innings at a five ERA, I, I don't really want that. So it's not really helping my team. No, uh, and the only games. reason James Shields was allowed to go up to 200 innings is because the White Sox were bad and they didn't care. The Yankees were not going to let if, – if James Shields was on the Yankees, he would not have thrown 200 innings no, God no. because they weren't going to let him go out there and get bashed for seven innings. Yeah, so no, we don't want James Shields. He's no longer big game James. It's not him. Well, you know what? It, He's big a, game a, James Shields. That's a, ghost, that's a ghost of baseball past. That, that's, that's a made up that, – that is a complete uh, – I don't know who thought of that name. I think I, James Shields actually named himself Big Game James Shields. ERA in the postseason, 5.46. It's a big, big yeah, game pitcher right there. So, no, I do not want him. All right. Final question from Matt Goff, at the Goff underscore father on Twitter. He says, Harper or Machado? Just kidding. From your guy's perspective, how do you project the Yankees over the next three seasons success-wise? Um Division titles, pennants, World Series rings, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think what he's asking is, is it World Series or bust over the next three years? And I think both of us are going to say yes. Well, yeah, and he's talking about successes and then uh, potentially another another team that, that might come up and, and surprise people. The um, the Yankees have to look at this, and, and as fans, we're all looking at this, as this, this is a contending World Series organization right now. The team is good enough to do that. They need to add some into some areas to you know, solidify that. But when you're looking at the roster and you're looking at the talent, you're saying, yes, this team can go out there and if all goes well and they start playing uh, to their potential that they could absolutely be a contender for a World Series. So 
I mean, now where we are right today, uh, the and, and knowing the Yankees' history, like yeah, it's it's going to be World Series or bust. They got to go out there and they got to prove it now. They got to prove that they can win, um, and and that's where it is. As far as other teams that are, are coming up, I mean, look what Tampa Bay is. I don't know where the hell they came from as far as young players who are good, but they have a lot of them now. And they could be a team to, to look out for if they were to hit on a couple more of these young guys. Like they it don't have to, be. you don't have to have a lot of money to, to have good young players that are controlled. Like if your scouting department did their job and they're bringing up players and they just keep bringing up more players that are good baseball players, that could all of a sudden be a good team because they actually finished the season, uh, in, in good shape. We all thought that they were going to be bad, but they were a good team uh, that did this nonsense bullpenning. Uh, I'm sure if they solidified their, their rotation a little bit more and added, uh, you know, to, to what they have, then they could be a much better team that, that surprises more people. So I'm not sleeping on them any longer. Um, yeah. They just made a trade with the Mariners yeah. too. Um, Brought in a catcher, Zanino. right? Yeah. Zanino. Uh, yeah. yeah the, the, the Rays are, were certainly the surprising team in the American league last year. Oakland was a surprising team too. Sure. Would it shock you if both of those teams finish under 500 next year? Wouldn't shock me. No, it wouldn't shock me because you don't know the names on those on those teams. A lot of them, if they, but if I think they came out and the, did I mean, well. The Rays sort of pieced that rotation together with bullpenning. Right. Um, and a Cy Young. What, what we learned with bullpenning is it can work, but everything has to go right. Yes, everything has to go right. And, uh, you know, Kevin Cash was pulling every good move out of his ass. Like it was everything he did was working. And, and you know, kudos to him and kudos to the, the, the players on that team because they absolutely – you know, exceeded expectations, not just against the Yankees, uh, you know, when they kicked the Yankees ass for a long time, but overall in, in the season, like they were, they grinded until the end as well. I mean, like they, they, how many games did they end up winning? Did they win 90 games or 88? It was something like that, right? It was, it was damn close to 90 if they didn't win 90, uh, but they put together 90, 90, 90 wins 90. on the dot. So that's, that's crazy. I, not in a million. I would have lost my entire life savings if I had placed that bet on an yeah, over-under. In our preseason shows, we were mocking how bad the Rays were going to be. We yes. Like the Rays are going to... We thought the Rays were going to finish like what, what the Orioles finished. Yes. 114 losses or whatever. Right. I thought we were going to win every single game against the Rays. Actually, one more than they were going to play against the Rays, you thought. Yes. One more. <laughs> All right. Um, that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks to everybody who submitted mailbag questions. Uh, keep those coming. They're going to be a big part of the offseason shows. In addition to the things we sort of discussed today, Scott mentioned the, the sabermetric shows, and we got a couple of other fun things planned. Scott, any last words? Yeah, I know. I think that's a that's a good way to end it. The um, the prospects, another one. I think that's a, that's something that's going it, to it's absolutely on our list. We'll we'll bring some people in who uh, know a little bit more about these guys, have seen them play. Um, on a more daily basis as well just to give us full scouting reports and we'll kind of break that down and see where we are I think that could be a, a good basis for all Yankee fans to know you know going into the winter meetings like who are these guys that, the, that they have as assets what, what are you willing to give up um, but I think there's definitely been a you know, less excitement about the, the, the system since all of these guys have come up, but there's still a lot of exciting players down uh, in the in the in the ranks. So we'll definitely do that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.